Are we on? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. You want me to introduce myself? Yes. All right. My name is uh, Nick. I'm a non-binary human. <laughs> One uh, of the finest. <laughs> Stab it. And uh, I'm a paramedic. I don't... I, I don't... Uh, I don't enjoy talking about myself, but I do have some good qualities. I'm a good tea drinker. Yeah, you are. So. All right. Well, um, let's just dive right into the story of your life. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what led you to where you are now? Boy, that's uh, that's a tough one because I don't, I don't know if it was like a survival mechanism, but I, I don't truly remember a lot of my childhood and what was remembered was not exactly ideal um and kind of the the one thing with it is not a lot of my outside family like the other side of the family like knew what was happening Mm -hmm. so I think when it all came about they were a little angry about about. this uh, traumatic event yeah it's just because when I was little I think I was so worried about just surviving that I kind of didn't quite have a childhood that I was able to like focus on and be a kid mm-hmm. you know like I was outside sure because I grew up on a farm in a really small community um farm community but I mean that was just more of like an escape just to, like get out of the house or get away from whatever was gonna probably happen that day mm-hmm. you know but it was just uh, it's a small town in Wyoming you know it's beef country Republicans mm. the whole typical like boy meets girl Mm-hmm. What about you, um, like, as a child, as far as, like, uh, your identity goes? Like, how was that? What, like, what were these steps, the progression of, you know, turning how you are now? Mm. There's a lot of... The only good adjective I can use is, like, repression. Mm-hmm. So anything kind of out of the the standard binary, the boy and girl Pink binary. or blue. Yep, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, that's what you have to work with. Um there's kind of a lot of repression because I wasn't really aware at the time, like when I was younger, because I didn't have the knowledge to know the difference. Be like, oh, this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is this is what I'm going through. Like, this is weird. Instead of, you know, using my knowledge, I would just repress it and put it to the side. Like, I would always have to have like I was very ne- I was a very neurotic child, mm-hmm. like very neurotic. Like, nothing in my room was out of place. I always matched my clothes. Like same color and Mm -hmm. I always had to be matching and I would meticulously like count things and count my steps count my clothes organize it like color color code my closet Mm -hmm. stuff like that um and then as I got older it kind of it kind of amplified um I would probably call it OCD yeah (laughs) but when I was little um that's kind of all I knew how to like self-soothe mm-hmm so I would, I would use that. And then as I got, um, as I got older, it was just this, I would wear baggy clothes. Like when I got into like grade school, I wore like really baggy, like large shirts that would like go down to my knees and like, was this, um, <clears throat> this was just a style you liked or do you think it was subconsciously like you hiding feminine features? Like, I think it, I think it maybe was because even and this is something that I like. I still struggle with is my my legal first name. Mm-hmm. I never felt I never felt like a connection to it. And every time someone would call me by my first name, I would just like Ugh. visibly cringe. Yeah. And like I kind of I didn't know what that was all about because I was like nobody else 
seems to have a problem with her first name like I do. Yeah. And I kind of, I always attached it because like my dad picked it out and he picked out the spelling. Mm-hmm. So I was always like attached to it in a really codependent way. Yeah. If you so, lose that name, you lose him. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was kind of a, a weird relationship I've always had with that. And so as I got older, it was just little things like that, like names, clothes, like I hadn't developed yet, obviously, mm-hmm. in grade school, and I was okay with that. But I would dress like a tomboy, and I would run around without my shirt on all the time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have to worry about that. But then it was like something shifted as soon as I started developing, and then it was like, you're a girl now. Yeah, you went through puberty. Yep. And I was like, you're female. Like, I told you, you're female. Like, you need to respect that. And, you know, okay, you need to wear your blouse, you need to wear a, a necklace, and you need to wear the necklace, a cut, you know cut above that loca blouse so this it's a was your family point. that was telling you this it was not directly but it was like the message like now that i'm older and i've had time to like process it like that was the message that was like loud and clear mm-hmm. you and, like pink or blue pink or blue like you yeah, need like, to that's what i received mm-hmm. because like it was like this shift and there was a person uh my my dad's ex-wife um pretty manipulative mm-hmm. there was a time that i went from being pretty naive tomboy you know like to push boys in the dirt i wouldn't you know <laughs> i don't like to hang out with them but that from that point it was like okay now you need to start birth control mm-hmm. at 14 because i was a really young freshman yeah so i i was i was 14 as a freshman in high school and it's like i started uh, i started uh birth control and it was just like this shift in like my psyche yeah were you was the starting birth control, was that your idea or was that you were told you had to do this? No, because I've, it was more linked towards like, and now that I'm older, like I know that there's a lot more influencing factors to someone's, um, their monthly cycles. Mm-hmm. So mine were really heavy and they would go for like 10 days. So I went on it as a means to like control it, you mm-hmm. know, but it just, I wasn't even fully developed yet and it just like interrupted yeah, my whole process with just trying to can like continue to complete puberty yeah which I wasn't even done with and it's just like throwing this like outside influencing factor at me it really oh it really messed me up because it like made my chest swell up and like I was just like I was very confused very lost very like I, I would probably like if I'm being really dramatic with my descriptors I would say <laughs> that I'm like I was like dis disengaged and like there's just like this apathy mm-hmm in my existence, like, I didn't, I didn't, like, know who I was, so, like, I didn't care, but, but I still, like, made an effort, like, I was, like, okay, well, you still need to, like, do your hair. Mm -hmm. So, at this point, um, you're still trying to fit into that girl. Oh, very much so. For the female box. Very much so. Like, I was very, I was very geared towards anything and everything I could do, Mm -hmm. because it was, it was kind of strange to me, because all my other, like, um, strictly identified as female friends, they didn't seem to have this problem that I did Yeah. with like being a typical like, you know, girl's girl. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have this obsession that I had with it. I'm like, why can't I get on board with this? Yeah. Like I just, I was, uh, I was just lost. I was like, I, I don't understand how they enjoy dressing up, going out, putting makeup on. And it's kind of a chore. It was for me. It was like, it's very exhausting because I was like, well, I don't have any other clothes. I don't know how else to express myself because if I did, I'd get some funny looks. Yeah. Like I used to have long blonde hair, like down to like past my butt Mm. and I cut it 
when I was a junior. Um, like cut it all off or just cut it short? I cut it um, about to my shoulders mm-hmm. because I donated it to Locks for Love. And I still got, I got shit about that. Wow. Because I donated it and it was like, everybody's like, what'd you cut your hair for? <laughs> like my dad, he has this strange attachment to my hair. Hmm. And he would always ask me every time I'd cut my hair, why'd you cut your hair? And like, so I always had this like, you know, what are you doing? Like you're stepping outside of the boundary. Yeah. It's not cool. And I was just like, I donated my hair. Like, I don't understand. <clears throat> so at this point, um, do you know that you don't like boys? Is it, or is this just this confusing, I don't like anyone, I'm just this... Uh, I tried boys. You did try boys. Uh, once, in, uh, when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. But um, I quickly got off that train <laughs> because I didn't know, I still didn't, I, I think I knew, but I didn't want to like, so, yep. I didn't want to address it because I was... um. I played basketball all my life, and I was one of the only freshmen on the on the varsity team, so I would travel with them to, like, special games for yeah. better players. Um, there's this small town team that we would play, and I don't know what it was about this girl on this other team, but, like, I couldn't stop staring at her, mm-hmm. like, running up and down the court, and I was like, I have, like, a weird feeling in my stomach. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's weird. It's attraction. That's what it was. And I didn't know didn't that. Know that. I'm like, yeah. I'm not allowed to have this attraction at all. Yeah. To anybody like that. Like that's not allowed. It was a, yeah. And in my town, like when I was younger, it's gone a little more, I guess you would call it progressive now. But when I was younger, it was, it was a safety issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest thing. And so like, I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, you know, like those weird butterflies. And I was like, well, better digest them. Mm-hmm. So I like push that down yeah. and then never never talked about it never did anything about it again until like I graduated and even then I was still very much deep in the closet yeah <laughs> you know but I didn't kind of come into myself until I was in college what allowed that to happen like what it seems like it was it was a feeling that you were ignoring I was yeah I was ignoring it very much and the thing is is like uh have you ever heard of gaydar yes well I have pretty <laughs> perceptive gaydar to anyone <laughs> but me at that time <laughs> so i was like oh yeah they're gay like they're gonna be gay in a couple of years and like i'd usually be right and yeah. then i was like oh not me like everybody else knew before me but i was like everybody I else just, knew i just like cargo pants and flannel i don't understand <laughs> drive a subaru no big yeah. deal <laughs> the staple vehicle of the of the gays and i actually had a pair of birkenstocks oh yes so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in college I was actually theater. Um, I started, well I didn't start, um, I didn't start theater in college. I kind of, there was a little junior college in my hometown and I was taking an English class and the professor, him and his wife did theater and she was very heavy into theater so he kind of was like, you need to go do theater. And theater kids are like outsiders, geeks, nerds, like they do what they want, they are who they are. And they're unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. No shame. Yeah. So I kind of got flung into that. And I kind of was able to kind of come out of my shell. Mm-hmm. But it was more so like, it's okay to like this and dress like this. And But I was still very much like, you know, you still need to like do your hair and make an effort even though you're dressing like a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it's still very confusing. And I was like, I was still toying around with the idea that I was attracted to women. And I was kind of, I was very ashamed of myself for a long time. Um, 
because that's just you grow up repressed like that and it's just not something you're allowed to experience Mm -hmm. did you have any kind of support system during all this anyone you could have you were talking to about it or not really in the beginning um it was mostly who I'm very close with them now um my technical theater professor Mm -hmm. I was very um I was very close with her and so um I got to hang out with her and talk with her a lot but I never talked about like what my crisis of identity yeah I was just I was just in my head it was this is a safe space that I can just be and so I'm just gonna be for now because I was always in this fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. so you do that constant state for a long enough you know you just depleted and exhausted yeah with any other ways to cope in a healthy way Mm -hmm. like I was never into like that's the thing is I was always in this traumatic high stress like environment growing up and then even into college you know but I never like I was never like a drinker I was never (laughs) hooked on drugs yeah (laughs) but I would just I think my coping mechanism was finding the normal quote you know just Mm -hmm. finding those outlets and finding the the safe spaces because I don't I didn't ever feel like I had one growing up yeah so that was always my continuous quest for yeah you're just trying to find that nick-shaped hole in the world and yeah fill it up yep fill it up Mm -hmm. because it's like it it took me a long time when i even when i moved down here because in college my uh my breaking point and i'm just i'm real ashamed to say this but like i did that gay thing where you fall for a straight girl oh no and she breaks your heart oh no (laughs) that was your breaking point i did that yeah and i was like okay i can't because I was like, okay, I can't be, like, in the closet anymore about anything. <laughs> yeah. At what point did you, like, allow yourself to know that you liked her? Um, That's the thing is, like, I did it. It wasn't, like, the traditional, like, I poured my feelings out to her. I didn't, I didn't, never once, I never acted on it. I mm-hmm. never told her about it. But I was, like, I have an intense sense of attraction towards this particular person. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I couldn't shake it. And I was, like, I know this isn't, like, a crush. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, like, oh, those boys are cute, you know? Like, yeah. Like, okay. I was like, well, she's pretty. Yeah. And it's like, I'd find all the guys agreeing with me. They're like, you're so cool. <laughs> like, you're so cool. I can just talk to you about girls. I'm like, yep. Yeah, there it is. But yep. I actually, uh, and this was probably dumb of me, but I'm, uh, that's how I got down to Colorado. Oh, you followed the straight girl here? She actually, we did theater together. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's from here, um, from Colorado Springs. So I ended up, she's like, you should just come stay for the summer and, you know, go to UCCS at Theater Works. And mm-hmm. I got like a little summer, a summer gig there in, in the theater shop. Hmm. And then I actually ended up really liking it. Good. But then after the summer, I was like, I, I can't. Like too much. I can't stay with you. Tension and in your heart, right? Yeah. It's just this. Yeah. I still wasn't equipped with the tools to handle it in a like a rational, mentally healthy way. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I know I can't continue to live with you. Yeah. So, I like moved, and I've been here ever since. I think my family's also a little, a little, not I wouldn't say mad, but like sad about that because like. I literally was just like, well, I'm going to go to Colorado for the summer, and then it's five years later, and I'm still here. And now you're openly gay. Yeah. Right? So now it's like, what's just different? Yeah. You're just a different person now. That's the other other thing. It's like, I've never actually, like, came out to my family. I was just like, 
You have not ever or you didn't before? It wasn't like the typical like sit down like I have something to tell you guys. Yeah. I've never done that. The way I came out to my dad was um, my Facebook did mm-hmm. like this glitch and it put me in a relationship but it said it's complicated <laughs> and I've never I'm not even on Facebook like hardly ever. Yeah. And it did this thing where it was like in a relationship complicated and like posted a bunch of like weird articles. So like someone obviously I would say hacked was me. It was hacked, yeah. And my dad texted me and he was like, well, I didn't know you had a boyfriend. And I was like, well, I would have to like boys for that to be true. You just That's what you said to your dad? First yeah, time he, ever yeah. saying that you, okay. And then he was like, oh, and I was like, yep, now we have something in common, dad. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, way to. We both like women. Yeah, way <laughs> to make it positive. Yeah, and he was like, okay. And that was it? That was it. Were you scared telling him that or you were just like, fuck it? Like at this point, you're just, uh, what do you have to lose? Yeah, I think I had been in Colorado so long and I've kind of like, I've done a lot of things like to aid with my mental health and like brain integration and eating better and like changing my diet and all this. And then it's like, I was like, okay. Cause like I, it took me a long time to learn like what codependency was. Yeah. And like toxic people. Mm-hmm. I mean, toxic people, like it's, it's not about the quantity of time they're in your life. It's about the quality. So it's like, I don't care if you have known you for 12 years, if I decide that you're not doing me any good, like, yeah. I'll cut it off. Yeah. And that's a hard pill for some people to swallow because they're like, well, we've known each other for forever and you're just not talking to me anymore. Like that's like with my family, like my dad's side specifically, uh, you kind of, you sweep things under the rug Mm -hmm. and you pretend they don't exist. Um, that's kind of the Anderson way of just emotionless. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very, very much so. Like in it and like growing up, that was just like, it's a very, um, confusing environment to be in as a child because Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of like you don't show emotion you don't get excited you don't show love um you don't you know you get like a pat on the leg or yeah pat on the back you know you rarely get like long drawn out hugs or like really deep awesome talks about Mm -hmm. what's going on are you okay and um and you really i mean especially as a child you need that emotionally you need it. It's yeah. not, you know, you, you need that connection mm-hmm. to like truly like help form the neuron pathways in your brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of my other guests on the podcast, she had talked about um, your internal environment, meaning like your feelings and the way you react to things and stuff like that. If you aren't in tune with your internal environment or if you, you know, don't have it, say because of trauma, then you're just at the mercy of your external environment. You know, it's just that's now what decides the path that you go on. Yeah. <clears throat> because it is part of trauma. Or it's part of mental health. It's part of all of it that you just want to shut it all off to protect yourself. And then in what kind of the end result of that is, is you're just, you know, a leaf in the wind. Yeah, you're just kind of blowing along, hoping someone will, like, catch you and take care of you. But really, you got to, like, yeah, figure out how to stop yourself and you have really gone through uh learning what codependency is and actually addressing it I just like broke up with one of my really good friends yeah um because it just was it wasn't productive it wasn't positive it just was it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. you know anymore and like I still love that person and will always love that person but um it just like you said it's quality over quantity um, because yeah. it, it, what you allow to stay in your life, <clears throat> like that's what you think of yourself. If you're going to allow that kind of negativity in yeah. your life, you know, it just was, 
Um, and it was really hard for me. They didn't respond well. Um, they, <laughs> they responded very ugly. Um, and like that hurt me. But then in the same sense, I was like, I wasn't expecting any less than that. Right. Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm not surprised. And that's like, that's the problem with specifically like codependent relationships is if you stop playing the game, mm-hmm. like you have upset the equilibrium yeah. of their twisted, fucked up view of this relationship. Yeah. And, you know, they're really people usually on the receiving end of the, like the codependency is they're like 10th degree black belts in playing the victim. Oh, yeah. So for sure you stop feeding into that and they're like well why are you why are you different you're different like why are you acting like this you know why aren't you why aren't you playing my game anymore this Mm -hmm. isn't fun yeah and they that's why they respond so negatively is because you you stop engaging and now they have nothing else to live for in the relationship yeah (laughs) it's kind of fucked up it's it's super fucked up and i think one of the i mean because i think codependency is partially a narcissistic trait Mm -hmm. what uh what really sucks being the person that is hurt by a codependent person is that they they just need that person to fill that void so it didn't matter that it was you you weren't anything special they kind of move on to the next thing like Mm -hmm. I had this breakup a long time ago and all of the shitty things that he did all of the like the fucked up everything that's not what hurt me the most what hurt me the most was that they were right back on to like online dating like the next day oh yeah you know like that serial dating codependency right that fucking hurt like they can't be lonely yeah like they just can't yeah and that was like that fuck that's brutal that fucking sucks because it's like damn so i am just you know one out of these million people Mm. that you yeah you're just another tick Mm -hmm. filter through box yep yeah and then on the other end of it being codependent like i have been i wasn't i was not dependent on relationships i was dependent on keeping people in my life Mm-hmm. friend wise right so desperate to make friends and like attaching yeah a quantitative number like well i've been their friend for 20 years so i probably should stick it out exactly for... yeah and that's just this is uh this is the first time in my adulthood and i'm you know 29 almost 30 and that i made the decision to end the friendship in a mature way mm-hmm. it obviously didn't end well for right. me <laughs> um but i still feel like that's an accomplishment because I, ch- I i recognize that that friendship wasn't for me and um it sucks because like you know you always want to go back to that person because i'm like well we she was my best friend right and then mm-hmm. it's like well no no they no they weren't if that if you that, you know led to them having to break up <laughs> right so. that's like the other thing is like i don't know if it's like a a phobia or some deep-seated unconscious problem I have with like labels but I have a real problem with like attaching a label to anything and let alone like best friends and stuff yeah. like that like I just I can't I can't call people like my best friend because I'm like what does that even mean you know when people would like make fun of me for like my diet which in the old days just used to mean the shit you put in your mouth and yeah, eat right. on a daily basis <laughs> but now it's got this negative connotation it's like so what do you like a vegan or what do you like a vegetarian just like you know because like i always got shit every about every single thing i would would eat or not eat when i was little yeah because i can't eat a lot like I, I can eat a little better now because i'm actually like exercising yeah and i'm you know over the triple poundage <laughs> but triple digit yeah <laughs> but like i'd always get shit about that and like people would be like so what are you like 
you know, you, what are you anorexic or what do you, you know, you're trying to lose weight or I'm like, no fucker. Like I can't eat a lot. I just am. Like yeah. this is just it. Exactly. Like that's always been my thing. Like I just am like, I just am. Yeah. Like, just let me be. Yeah. Like everybody's always, would always ask me like, so, you know, what do you want to be like when you grow up or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like those typical cliche questions, you know, I'm just yeah. like, I just want to be. And they'd always just be like, oh, what? Oh, okay. Weirdo. Like. Really, I mean, I was that fucking weird. I was like, I want to be a dinosaur, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. You like throw something at them, and they're like, okay. "All right, let's put her in some special classes and sure. accelerated, you know, stars program." Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, that's the thing is like, you don't need to understand something to accept it. Yeah, and that's always been like a inward outward battle I've always had with like everybody else in society because it's not like me being pretentious. It's just more like. I have a real problem with existing. I know that sounds fucked up. No. But like, I have a really deep, warped view of, like, the world. And it's like, I don't want to exist, but I don't necessarily, like, want to die. Yeah. So I have this, like, wrestle with, like, kind of being foreign on this earth. Mm-hmm. And like, there's, can't relate to this, can't relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I always just thought it was because I was like... Well, I'm a little weird, so maybe I'm just having trouble finding, like, my my thing. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't quite found it. Like, I have a very enjoyable existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm obviously, like, I'm trying to make the most out of it. But I'm I'm still, I still feel weird here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, can, I can never explain it. And then, like, I kind of, I have, like, the same view of, like, the mainstream definition of, like, depression. Yeah. And I've always wrestled with, like, the force, like, that force that, like, draws you to be, like, super apathetic about everything. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, like, just, like, draws you into the dark. It's, like, this nameless, faceless thing that, like, I refuse to, like, give a label to, like, acknowledge. Yeah. And it wasn't, like, till recently because, like, I started going to therapy because I was, like, well, I need a third-party outside observer yeah, I gotta just figure this out. To break out. this up. Because mm-hmm. I kind of was at like a a wall with like all of the exploration and outlets that I was using. I was like, okay, I, I need some other help. And I didn't know that it like tied so closely to like my identity. Yeah. Because I, even the term non-binary, like that's new for me. Yeah. I mean, that's only like a couple of years old. And even then, like I didn't, it's like I'm holding myself accountable because I didn't know about all of these terms when I was younger, so I kind of feel guilty, like I'm coming in late to the party with no gifts. Yeah, but I mean, it's, um, you know, it's not like it is, um, let's say like me, it's not like I'm this outsider, is trying to understand it and learn it and learn these terms. It's, it, you were finding yourself, you know, so it's not like you, it's not like you knew what to pursue to look up, you know, like there is, uh, I learned with my last podcast, there is classes called like gender communication and, mm-hmm. uh, something else that has to do with that and it's just uh, a better form of communication on both ends of how to communicate as coming out and you know being this person or how to communicate from the outside looking in but um I mean it's not like you knew what to look up right when you're while you're finding yourself right because like I still it's like I I mean, I, it was like a, it wasn't like a, I don't know, I guess coming out was kind of a catharsis, but not really. Yeah. Because I still felt shameful about doing it. But like, then I hit this wall again because I was like, well, I'm, I'm out. So why am I still having, like, why am I still having this hang up? 
Yeah. Like, what's the issue? And, like, I didn't know because it was, like, I still don't like the way I dress. And, like, these clothes make me, like, physically uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, there's got to be, like, I don't know, something else. And I wasn't even familiar with the term transgender because trans is, like... It's like an umbrella term for everything else. All, yeah. In the binary. Way more to it. Yeah. Than... Yeah. And like, I think that's like what people, what freaks people out is like they, they, not to single people out, but like cis people mm-hmm. attach transgender to a very like binary term. Like, well, it's male to female or field female to male. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's just a blanket term. And so I didn't even know about that. So I was like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even remember how I came across however it is I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just here. You're just trying to find what makes yourself more comfortable, right? Yeah. Be living in that shell. Yeah, because, like, I just see myself as, like, this shell that houses, like, a soul. So I'm trying to make my... I'm trying to be good to my shell while it's here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it as comfortable as I can while I'm here. Like, while, all while, you know, stumbling through life. So it's not been a very graceful yeah. transition. But I... Uh, it's 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 still a struggle. I mean, even today. Um. So one of the things... <clears throat> that I read is that the suicide rate among first responders is like at an all-time high right now. Like oh. Partially from that there aren't mental health services, that there's, you know, just that some of the things that you've seen mm-hmm. um, and then they don't, it's just like expected, like, all right, keep on moving. Next call, next this. Like, how did that affect? Because you were you already, I'm like, I'm not trying to label it, but like maybe not in the best place mm-hmm. mentally, right? And then you had this kind of career in. Yeah, that was probably like a shot in the foot. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I never like closely associated those two, but I've always, because my aunt was, um, she was an ICU nurse mm-hmm. for about 10 years. And so I've, I, I was always around like anatomy and medical mm-hmm. books like that because she showed me everything, taught me everything, like raised me mm-hmm. pretty Seems much. very intriguing. Yeah. So I was always like attracted to it. So I was like, oh, I mean, that's, you know, the human body's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of wanted to learn everything I could about it. And then I, I kind of like lost touch with it for a bit. And then um, when I moved to Colorado, I did a accelerated, well, I went up to North Carolina to do this accelerated EMT program because, mm-hmm. like, I'm not comfortable in classroom setting. I can't just sit and, like, listen to someone talk at me wah, wah, and retain wah, wah. all, yeah, and mm-hmm. retain all that. Like, it's just not my learning style. I'm a very tactile, yeah, like, visual learner. And so I did, like, this accelerated program, came back, and then I was like, well... I have this EMT, like, I don't know what to do with it. Um, So I applied at AMR in Colorado Springs, and that was actually the first, like, job I had as a a first responder. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got into that, and I kind of just, like, did it just to do it. Yeah. It wasn't, it's never, that's the other thing, is, like, I'm slowly starting to learn, and I probably should have caught wind of this, like, before I went through paramedic school, but I did it just to do it. Yeah. Like it's it's not my passion that I want to be my career. Like I still love medicine and the human body. Like that'll never stop being my one of my interests. It's just EMS is a very high stress, high impact job. And yeah. not to be a cliche, but it takes a certain personality type to be able to like digest all of that. Because mm-hmm. it's hard to explain like if you're not in healthcare, it's hard to explain to the public like what you actually do. Yeah. Because it depends on the day. Mm-hmm. I mean you know, one day you could, I could go into work and I could run nine calls in a 12 hour shift. Mm-hmm. And all I did that day was take a homeless person to the ER, you know, because he's had abdominal pain for two weeks or, yeah, you know, an old lady who fell down. And that's really the only thing I did or hold someone's hand because they were scared. Mm-hmm. 
And then the next day, you know, someone gets hit by a car or someone has a cardiac arrest. And But then after, like, that cardiac arrest, then you run another call back to back to back. And mm-hmm. especially in Colorado Springs, like, when I, uh, I would say I got pushed off the deep end one day and I just put him in two weeks. But, <sighs> like, I was running 16, 17 calls in a 12-hour shift. Oh, man. So it was just back to back. And, like, that finally, like, long term, I think everybody in EMS should get their cortisol levels checked. Yeah. On a regular basis because it, like, we're all depleted. Mm-hmm. And we have just adrenal fatigue mm-hmm. and it's just not, it's not a sustaining job because that's a lot to digest and like go through. And I think I went into EMS with a little better grip on it than some other people because I've, I've had um, brain integration. Mm-hmm. So that therapy kind of helped me digest it a lot healthier than someone who's just like, well, it's another dead body. Like, you know, yeah, on to the next yeah, kind of thing. I did that for about three years and then I was like, well, I guess I'll go to paramedic school. Mm-hmm. And I was still like... I couldn't figure out like why I was like constantly nauseous. I had digestive problems. I still do, but like I had like atrocious digestive issues. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't keep food down. I lost like 15 pounds. Which is a lot for you. Yeah, because I mean, I've always sat around the 110 range. Mm-hmm. That was like kind of my peak out of high school is like 110. And then like, yeah, I lost 15 pounds getting into this job. And I was still like, well, I should probably keep doing it because I'm not really good at anything else. And then I went to paramedic school. Oh, man. And I'm still doing it because it's the only thing I'm good at right now. <laughs> it's kind of that codependency thing. It is. Right? It really is. Like, this is the one thing that like I, I'm having a hard time stepping away from. Mm-hmm. But like I know it would be, it'd be great if I could because it would probably resolve a lot of mental issues and even health issues because like you know, yeah. long term stress like that can manifest as a digestive disease oh, for eventually. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, and like all the all the people in EMS are very codependent. It's a very incestuous field to be yeah. in like very much so and i kind of have a unique perspective on it because like i i have like been repatterned in a way mm-hmm. so like i can see kind of how all that is incredibly toxic so um i know that your partner works in ems also works in that same field right so mm-hmm. that's how we met it's almost like you can't get away from it yeah that's the thing like me my wife and my roommate uh we started in ems like we went through paramedic school together mm-hmm. uh and we worked at the same company together same days of the week yeah it's like it's something i've always been in mm-hmm. and yeah i would i wouldn't ever be able to get away from it because you know when we get home you have to talk about the calls that you ran you and... have to talk about it because like you have to get it off your chest to someone and it's better to get it off to someone who really truly understands like yeah what your day was like rather than you know just tell it to some lay person who's just curious like what's the worst thing you've seen like you want to know the worst thing i've seen <laughs> my paycheck <laughs> yeah that's that's the worst part that's Why? that's the sad part yeah so it's like kind of i don't know how many other people can go home and say that they can unload to their also an ems partner yeah and be able to digest it yeah because like they probably don't want to burden their layperson spouse trying to explain yeah because you'd spend more time trying to explain what stuff was rather than just use your lingo right and hemo what yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah so it's it's I don't know. It's it's a unique kind of situation to be in, but that's uh, I guess that's next on the journey. Yeah. Of transition. What am I gonna do next? Yeah. So it just seems like you're just, you know, there's not even like you said you don't like to put titles on things. So there's not even like a, a set path you're on. There's not even any kind of specific goal you're trying to get to. It's just you know trying to live your best life, no matter what that takes. <laughs> yeah. Um. I kind of like have like a Taoist view of the world. Mm-hmm. Just like just being. Kind of like being like a river, just going with flow. Mm-hmm. 
and like not putting, not attaching to labels or negative connotativity to anything. It's something I think I've become complacent in doing, so I don't really, I don't really know how to expand outside of that because I don't, you know, I don't want to become stagnant pond water. Right. So mm-hmm. just trying to figure out because like I think I've been so hung up with figuring out my identity and like trying to figure out how I should be in the world, and even that's. You know, to me lately, it's 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 kind of complicated because, like, sure, I, I, I tell people I'm non-binary, but even then, like, on the spectrum, like, I know I'm repelled by one end of the spectrum. Yeah. The female spectrum. Right. Like, I know I'm inherently repelled by that. So, like, even then, like, I fall even more towards the masculine yeah. end of it. So, like, I've been so caught up with, like, figuring out how to balance that mm-hmm. because I get just as much discomfort being... L- uh, called ma'am as I do dude or sir. Yeah. Like, they're both like, okay. Yeah. Like, why do you have to... Why do you have to put a, a thing on it? Yeah. A, yeah, and then they get weird when they were like, when I talk. They're like, oh, sorry, ma'am. Yeah, that story. You had to tell that story of when you were uh, at the grocery store or something and like dropped something or whatever. Like, and then the clerk was like... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just in the frozen food section and I was like dressed like a frat boy. So I had my cargo pants and a t-shirt and a little... Trucker hat. Denim. Yeah, shirt on <laughs> and my hat. And I had my back turned to him. And he was like, hey, man, you need anything? Like, you good? And I turned to him. I was like, yeah, dude, just browsing. And he goes... All right, man. <laughs> he just like walked away, like man. He's like, oh god. I was like, you, you made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yeah, yeah. this is not weird for me. <laughs> exactly. Like, just, just go. I'm just being like that's. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, I. Sure, it's funny, like when I confuse people when they like don't know what to call me. But then yeah. again, it's like you, you can pretty much gender neutralize conversation. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Like, why Why do you have to look one way to be something, be anything? Why do you have to be anything? Yeah. Right? Like, why do you have to look anything? Like, just, you just are. Yeah. Like, I've struggled, like, my whole life with that. Like, why do I have to, like, be in mm-hmm. this box? Or, like, why do I have to, you know, dress this way to make you like me or eat this to make you like me? Like, just yeah. stupid shit like that. I mean, there's, like, a, uh, I think there's a limit to that. You know, like, the guy that wants to look like a tiger so he's like tattooed his face he's got like implants he like identifies as a tiger that's a whole other realm (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a lot more than just identity there's a big bag of weird there (laughs) like for sure like because like i think people confuse like dysmorphia with dysphoria yeah and so he has some twisted fucked up version of dysmorphia dysmorphia yeah which is like oh like my thighs are fat or yeah my boobs are too small or right i wish i had bigger pecs like <laughs> that's like dysmorphia sure like you can work on those mm-hmm. and like if you achieve it you'll still be comfortable in like your assigned gender at birth yeah kind of feeling it's not no man like my mental view yeah or picture of what I should be is not matching up with my physical view and it's like causing mental harm yeah, to try to conform into it's confusing because mm-hmm. it's like I I don't understand because you, you can't make those match up without physically doing something about it like medically <clears throat> medically 